Well, we have been uh, in the letters of Corinthians the last few weeks, months, if you will. We actually, this week we completed 2 Corinthians and we, we finished Paul's last letter to the Corinthians that we still have. And so, um, there, he covers a lot. He covered a lot in the last couple of weeks, and um, I am a little hard-pressed to come up with, because there's so much we could talk about. We could talk about the vision that Paul had. We could take him to third heaven. We could, we could talk about things like that, or... We could talk about how he was comparing himself to the other super apostles when he was actually having the, he was the true start of the church. We had other people come in and started talking smack about him and he was defending himself. We could talk about that, but I'm not going to talk about that today. We're not. Because I am faced with the dilemma that I've, I have, I have preached hundreds of, of sermons here at Heights Christian Church. Literally hundreds. But now I, it's been determined that I have a finite amount of sermons left to preach to this body. And so I am motivated to preach to you from God's word based on the fact that I love you guys beyond all measure. And I want you guys to get the most out of what? So today we're going to talk about Giving. And today's sermon is titled, Who, What Gives? Have you, heard that? Have you heard that expression? What gives? Well, the short answer to that is Christians. <laughs> That's the short answer. But that would be a short sermon. But since I want to preach to you, um, I will give you more than just the short answer. I'll give you the long answer. And so um, we're going to talk a little bit about giving today. Now, if this is your first time here, and you go, oh, great, of course, Pastor's going to talk about giving. No, 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 no. If you've been here any length of time, you know that we don't talk about giving very much. And I think a lot of it is because it's assumed that you do. And let me tell you, this church is a giving church. So I'm not busting anybody's chops. You guys have given unbelievably in so many different ways. But I still think this is an important thing for me to, to share with you because the giving part is for you. When you give, you are blessed, and I want you to be blessed beyond all measure. Sound good? So, at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says something amazing that I want you to remember in today's sermon. He says this, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do do you not realize that Christ Jesus in you, unless of course you fail the test, and I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. Okay? What Paul is talking about, and all the stuff that he wrote about in 2 Corinthians, you need to test yourself. Now this isn't you testing others, it's you testing yourself. And based upon scripture and the truth of scripture, you need to examine yourself because we have this innate ability as human beings, to fool ourselves. And that's why scripture is so important in your life. Because then it exposes you to some of these erroneous things that you believe, and you can use that as a gauge to test yourself 
test how you do. And so, and it's about that constant testing. You know, there's a lot of people that are, are quote-unquote Christians, but they don't read the Bible. Do you know why? A lot of the times I'm convinced it's because the Bible exposes you to truth that you don't want to deal with. All right, so today we're going to look at 15 verses in two chapters. Chapters 8 and 9, verses 1 through 15, 9, 1 through 15. Well, 9, 1 through 15 is actually the whole chapter, but it's fun that 15, 15. All right, here we go. So let's read a little bit of this, and we will look at some principles that we can glean from the scriptures from Paul's speaking to a Christian church. He is speaking to believers. And therefore, he's speaking to us as well as believers in Jesus Christ. Starting in verse 8, I mean chapter 8, verse 1. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion the act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also exceed in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want you to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that you, but there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. So the first 15 verses of chapter 8. And Paul, at the end here, quotes Exodus 16, 16 through 18. Part of that, he says, this is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need, talking about manna, Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one with, who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they 
needed. So what Paul is talking about, those that have little and those that have more, their needs are met. That's what he's talking about here. Their needs are met. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help. And I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year in Achaia, we're, we're ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow. But that you may be ready, as I said, you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever." Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of this service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Now, if you don't know the situation here, if you, if you, if you haven't, well, we did read Acts, we, did, we, did, we went through history, so we know what we're talking about here. Paul was collecting from a number of the churches in Asia and Asia Minor to take back to the church in Jerusalem who were undergoing a famine and poverty and destitution because many of the Christians there in Jerusalem, they were already ostracized by their fellow Jews because they were saying that Jesus was the Messiah and so they they were trying to have him to help each other and then the famine came along put hard pressed and Paul was gathering money for from Gentile churches to bring to the Jewish brethren mostly Jewish brethren in Jerusalem and we do know that he ended up accomplishing that also led, also led to his arrest, and then he ended up going eventually to Rome. But that was his goal, and he was collecting for fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And so he is talking about the, the giving. Okay, so I think from where where we look at these last these two chapters, we can develop some principles about giving that I think you need to know about. So, and I've come up with. 
They aren't all encompassing. I'm reading it and I'm thinking, oh, there's probably two more. But we'll give you, I came up with ten. I mean, actually, I've come up with twelve, but I'm only going to give you ten. You have to come up with the other fourteen. But anyway, here we go. Number one. Christians are inherently givers. Christians are givers. They're not takers. Why? Because Christ gave his life for us and we have been blessed with eternity. We, that very nature, become givers. Not out of a command, but by being so blessed by what Christ has done for us, it's a natural outpouring of generosity. When we see people in need, we follow the example of Jesus. Christians are givers, not takers, but in humbleness, in humbleness, when we are in need, we must accept what is given to us as a gift. Yes, Christians are givers, but we also need to be acceptors of gifts. That's what I see a lot of church. Oh, I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm in need because I don't want to accept anything. That's a, that's a pride issue. But generally, if you are a Christian, you need to be a giver. Okay? Number two, giving is a test of your sincerity of love for others. You need to let your pocketbook speak for where your mouth is in many ways. 2 Corinthians 8, 8, 9, this is what, of these two things, Christians are givers and giving is a test of sincerity. He says this, I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. So those are the first two. Christians are givers. Giving is a test of your sincerity. Number three, giving is cyclical. I mean, there are times when you can give, and there are times when you will be given. I tell you, throughout my life, there have been times when I have been given amazing gifts when I was struggling financially. And there have been times when I have been able to help someone else out financially in the same way. So, this is what Paul says in verse 13. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. Remember the quality of needs. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, your plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. Okay, so just know, you know what, in in your times in your life, there'll be times when you're in need and there'll be times when you will be the one who meets the needs of those that happens. I remember very early on in my marriage and Barb and I were struggling financially and I was bound to determine not to take a gift from my father-in-law. And I was humbled by that because I really needed the money. And he gave me, I said, man, dad, I'll pay you back. He goes, don't you dare. He says, there will come a time later on when you're older and more established, you can do the same thing. And that's exactly what happened. 
he understood the idea of the cyclical needs. Next one. Number four. In the area of giving, there is this biblical principle of sowing and reaping. If you read the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is very, very clear about the, the, the reaping and sowing that happens in life. Paul says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So we need to make sure there are some people within this body that have a supernatural gift, the gift of giving. That's, I think that's one of the gifts of the Spirit. And I know of several in this congregation that are, have the gift of generosity. They do. But I also know that they've been blessed generously as well. It, it, it just goes just the way it happens. And I tell you, in my experience with my personal life, the more I give, the more I get. I have no idea how that works. But it, it happens. It happens. Number five. Giving must be cheerfully delivered and what's on your heart. You should never give grudgingly. God is not concerned about the amount in which you give. He is concerned on how you give. It's all about how you do it rather than the quantity. Why? Because God owns it all. And this is more for you to be able to give generously in a way of faith. And to be able to show your willingness to help and to give. Paul says this, each of you should give what you have decided what you have decided means you, you plan in your heart to give, not reluctantly and under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now listen. Dave Ramsey's financial piece, we even had one even before that we gave to, what was that called? True, yeah. But years ago, Barb and I struggled financially. And at one time in our marriage, we filed for bankruptcy. Because for a number of bad choices I made. But there was a time I remember distinctly that we made the choice that whatever we made, we would set aside before we spent, we paid any other bills, before we did anything, and we gave, specifically a tithe to the church. Since that time, I've never been without there's been a few things I wanted, but I didn't get. But things I needed have always been supplied. Not just my own personal experience. And I give it all glory to God, not my abilities. But we, we decided and we put that in place, and that has been in place since that time. And we've done that. Number six, giving will give God honor and thankfulness to him. Paul says it this way. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, 
but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. Your giving brings God honor. And it's in that way we, we are living now to give God honor in, in our lives and what we do. Number eight, there are two types of giving in my estimation when it comes to biblical giving within the church. The first one is to the church, commonly known as the tithe, which is historically a tenth of your earnings, but not necessarily. People have said, well, the tithe is in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. Okay, you might get away with that. But I personally think that's a good percentage. And I'll tell you why. Because back in the Old Testament, we've heard him talk about the law of first mention. The first place we see giving to someone who is a priest or someone who is of faith, give it just for them to help them along with their living, is found when Abraham comes back, rescues his people, and he runs into a guy by the name of Melchizedek, king of Salem. This is before the law. The law doesn't come until Moses. This is before the law. And Abraham sets the tone by giving him 10% of everything that he had acquired from his battle. And it says this in, in Hebrews, which is the New Testament, chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. He says, This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name of Melchizedek means king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, which means king of peace. So, if you are a Christian and you are involved within a body, a community of believers, you need to give to that church. I personally give 10%. Sometimes 11 12%. But that's because something Barb and I decided upon ourselves to do. But that's a good round number. And, and biblically, I think I can stand on that to say, but you know what? It's up to you. You need to give. Whatever you've decided in your heart. And not under compulsion. The other way of giving is to others. If you come up with someone someone who is in need financially within the body of Christ, you you need to help them. You need to do that. Barb and I give our percentage to the church, but we also, there are needs... We help that too. That's above and beyond what I give in a tithe on church. And let me, this is what I stand on. Acts 2, 42, 47. When the church first comes together, this is what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with all of the mighty, the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone 
who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad, sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. St. Heights, for a long time, is trying to be a restoration church, a New Testament church, and we try to model that as often as we can. Okay? So, what does that look like at Heights? We encourage you to be involved in a small group. Because a small group is a smaller group of people we get together. We spend time to get to know each other. We spend time outside of just not only life group, but other times. Other times we come in aware of needs. And those needs can, for a large portion, be met within the other people of the life group. The cyclical thing, it just happens. If you're not part of a life group, it's, you're a little bit more hard-pressed. That's why we encourage you to be part of a life group. Because we need to be helping each other out. Doesn't that sound good? That sound, doesn't that sound very New Testament biblical? That's, what we, that's why we encourage you to we, we encourage you to be in the Word. We encourage you to get to know one another. And we encourage you to help one another. Number nine. Giving is about relationship. Relationship within your church community and relationships with fellow believers. This is why I think that we need to be involved in each other's lives and this is why we need to be involved in the church and giving in the church because this is how Jesus intended for this to work. It's about relationship. Listen, we have tons of people, Jeremy will attest to this, come to our church and say, well, you're a Christian, you need to give. You need to give to me. I'm like, I don't even know you. There are times we give because we don't want to turn away from someone that actually has need. But there's a lot of people out there that expect Christians to give to their addictions or to give to their unwillingness to be accountable. We always encourage people to get involved in a body of believers and your needs will be met. But it's through relationship. Listen, the people on the corner of the street asking for money at the corner... You give them their money, you never see them again. That's not relationship. And that allows them to, for a lot of portion, allows them to continue in their addictions and is not the best for them. So giving needs to be about relationship. Now there's been times people have been coming, we start talking, we get, we get into relationship, we do that. And a lot of times that helps and we're able to really in, teach them and help them and make them accountable and do all those things. But lots of times, you, if you don't want any relationship with me, I'm not sure that I'm going to give to you. Biblically speaking. Number 10. Giving is more than just your money. It's not all about money. If you are a member of a church, if you are a follower in Jesus Christ, it can also be your time. 
time with others who need time from you. It needs to be attention. Giving attention to other people that need your attention. That's a commodity worth giving. And your talents, your abilities. This last week, I was rushed for time trying to prepare my house for sale. I had a friend of mine come and grouted all the tile that I had put up. And then the tile someone else put up. Trinidad. I'm not calling you out. Anyway, and they, we, they, they used that gift ability did ten times better than I could possibly do. And it was a help to me. Was it financial? No. But it was well used and such a gift to me. And I really, really appreciated it. And I felt loved. And I felt closer. And we built a stronger bond because of it. That is what giving is all about. Those are the ten things that I've come up with. I can think of more, a couple more, but that's not the point. The point is, guys, for your benefit, for your grace, for your edification and faith builder, you need to be a giver. Paul understood it. Because you notice when he said, I'm giving this for your sake. Jerusalem church got taken care of. But the other churches that gave were blessed because of it. We don't talk about giving very much because people get awkward about that. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Disagree with me all you want. I'm disagreeing with the Bible because I take everything out of what I found in Scripture. Sound good? All right, what time is it? Dude, I nailed it at noon. Stand up. Before we leave today, I would like you to give some of your time to another person in this congregation. Talk with them. Show some attention. Love on them. Care for them. Because that's what builds community. I want that for you guys. I want that for you guys. Because we need each other. Father God, we come before you. I thank you and praise you for all that you do for us. You're an amazing God. Thank you for the blessings that you have bestowed upon us in so many ways. Lord, help us to use these blessings to bless others. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.